Lord, we magnify and glorify your precious name. Thanking you, Lord, for who you are, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are God Almighty. In you, we will put our trust. Lord God, it's in you that all things work together for our good. It's in you that all things exist, Lord God. So we thank you right now for your love, your love that have come and have paid the price for our sins that we may be free, free from guilt, the guilt of sin and death, Lord God. Thank you for our freedom. And with that understanding, Lord God, as we have the opportunity to hear from you this morning, Lord God, I pray that each and every one of us, our hearts are open right now unto you, Lord God. I pray that you will speak to our hearts by your spirit, Lord God. And that in speaking to us, that each and every one of us take heed to what thus saith the Lord. That in leaving here today, that we will not leave the way that we came in, Lord God. That something supernatural take place within our hearts, Lord God. That will not allow us to stay the same. So we give you all praise, honor, and glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God is just so good. And if we allow the Spirit of God to have his way, he certainly will take, he will, he, he will take his place. When we allow the Spirit of God to have his way, he will certainly do it. He will certainly do it. If you will, turn your Bibles. We're going to be looking at several passages of Scripture today. But let us start with Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This is a passage of scripture that we're all familiar with. So I'm going to start in familiar territory. How about that? Glory be to God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Familiar territory. And I suppose that if we have to title the message, it would be this. What are you trusting God for? What are you trusting God for? And that message or that title comes with a question. What are you trusting God for? Somebody say, what are you trusting God for? Yeah. And the question that goes along with that, are you trusting him for what you want from him? Or are you trusting him for what he wants to do and through you? Wow. What are you trusting God for? Are you trusting him for what you want from him? Or are you trusting him for what he wants from you or to do through you? See, this is a big question that uh, as we are in this time, in this space, uh, in the history of the world, this is a big question that, that has to be Ask and one that has to be confronted, my friends. And the reason, and when I say uh, in this time, in this space, because what God wants to begin, first of all, how he wants to begin is he wants to get us out of the flesh and into the spirit. So he wants to show us a picture from his perspective. We're talking about God's perspective. We're talking about God Almighty. We are talking about the creator of all things. We are talking about the everlasting God. The one that we're talking about, God, not, not created God. See, because God is not a created being like you and me. We, so we're talking about the alpha and the maker. We're talking about the beginning and the end. And he wants to show us a picture from his perspective. And so when we talk about in this time and in this space, then we have to be able to, let's look at this time and this space from his perspectives. See, because from the beginning, or, or, or what the, the Bible refers to as the beginning, which, we, which really means not the beginning of God, 
but the beginning of the creation of man and all things. So when God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis, as the Bible talks about, and he created all things, including man and, and all of these different things in there, that uh, that was God. And in him doing that, that, that he began to uh, put into time and space his emotion, his plan. That which God himself, yo, we know that God is, is God, uh, as believers, we know that God is in the form of him, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when we refer to God, we're talking about the three in one, the divine trinity of who he is. Come on, somebody. So when we look at uh, God's uh, plan from his perspective from the beginning, he created man. So just real quickly, it ain't going to take long for me to show you just uh, a glimpse of this picture. And we know that soon after he created all things and created man, and then, you know, uh, the enemy came in the form of a serpent and, t and tempted, you know, Eve and, and, you know, and, and, and Adam ate of the fruit and the fall of man happened in there. And when the fall of man happened, as you, as you, if we hear again, I'm not talking about looking at God from our perspective, looking up to him. I'm talking about let us come outside of ourselves and be able to see what God sees. See what it is, because what God sees is what it is. In there, and seeing what it is, is then we see man, uh, the beloved man that God created, his uh, own special people. That which was special to him, we see man fall. In there, and sin enters into the world. And we, and if you remember anything about this God that created all this thing, we know that he is uh, one holy. And we know that he is all righteous. And we know then that sin cannot dwell in his presence. In there. So God has a problem with his beloved one that he has made, created, in there that, uh, that's special and dear to his heart. Even the angels understood that. And so now he has a problem because man have committed sin. And so according to the plan of God, we know even before that this all happened that God was already making a way. How do we know that? We know that because in John chapter 1, uh, verse 1, when the Bible speaks of the fact that in the beginning God was the Word and the Word was with God. And, 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 and it goes on to say that in the creation of everything that God created everything through the word, Christ Jesus. So that rings a bell. If you look at the picture, you can see that God must have knew something because when any, him creating, he just didn't create us any kind of way. He created us through Christ. And so when we move along through the history of time, the law came, you know, in there, you know, to, to show man how sinful he was. And before the law came, we know that the, uh, the flood came even before that. And why did the flood came? Because it was none righteous on the earth. God was fed up with the sin of man and how it continuously increased sin, evil, the evil heart of man continually to increase more and more and more. Then to the point where God destroyed everything on the earth besides the eight that was in the ark and the animals two by two. In short form. Amen. Everybody with me. So we're talking, we're still looking to see. None of us was here at that time. We only can read about it, but we, we ain't talking about reading about it. We're talking about looking at it from God's perspective. And so throughout the history of all of this, and then next comes the law, and God will show man that in, through the law, that you were sinful and lost without hope. In there, and that you were did not have the, the capability, even if you loved me as much as you thought you did, to keep my commandments. So therefore, all man was guilty in there. And so we know the story that as time gone, then the manifestation of how God created everything uh, came in the form of man, Jesus himself, and became the sacrifice for the sin of all mankind. Glory be to God. See, we see the orchestration that God gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So this is the opportunity that, that we have in this particular period of time that the Savior has come. 
And we know all of the details. There's so many details in it. I'm not talking about the details. I'm just talking about a general picture that if we can see from the beginning that God loved his creation, even when they messed up, God had made a way for them to come back and be in right relationship with him through the ultimate uh, sacrifice of his own son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And so having said that, it brings us to, yes, this time in this place right now that our trust in the Lord ought not to be what we want from him, but yet it ought to be what he wants from us, what he wants to do through us. And in order for our trust to be that way, then we have to understand one thing and one thing only, and that is the will of God. We have to know the will of God that did all of this for us when we did not deserve anything. Come on, somebody. And so what we are looking at today is what are you trusting God for? Are you trusting him for your will in your way? Or are you trusting him for his will and his way to be done in your life? And yes, this is a question that is worthy that has to, the church has to be confronted with. And the reason why, because in this time, in this space, God is calling the church to trust him for what he wants while the church is operating, and you know the church is, ain't this building, this is you and me, while we are operating from this place of what we want from God, and that's what we're trusting him for. I ain't afraid to say it. And no, I ain't going to jump up and scream and yell and shout about it, but, I, but God wants to, to, to speak to your heart today because there's an examination that he is calling the body of Christ out on. And it has all to do with where he wants to take and bring the church to. So when you look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and the focus of this is just really the latter part of it. You are all familiar with this verse. And so I'll read the, the C portion of this. And the C portion is the last uh, sentence of it. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is about us being used by God that will show and prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when you back up to the beginning in verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's the least that we can do. And then it goes on in verse 2 to say, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. See, we're talking about the will of God and, and there's no greater example for us to, to, to look at this picture of, of what we trust in God for, you know, and, and as it pertains to the will of God, then Jesus Christ himself. Can I get a witness? I'm glad that you agree with me. So turn your Bibles to John chapter 5. And we're going to visit John chapter 5. We're going to look at chapter 6 because Jesus himself, Jesus, I'm talking about God's son, God in the second person, if it's any of us that could have had a will that we, that uh, in a way that, that could be locked into, it was him more than any of us as individuals. Amen? But it was Jesus himself that spoke these words. In John chapter 5, verse 30, he says this. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. I'm going to say that again. He says, but I do not seek my own will, 
but the will of the Father who sent me. Flip your page to John chapter 6, verse 38. We're talking about Jesus as our example. You all agree that there ain't no greater example than Jesus himself. That if Jesus understood and trusted in what he was trusting God for was God's will to be done in his life while he was here on earth, who are we? I'm going to say that again. Because Jesus, in his time here on earth, if he trusted God and his trust that, that he had in God, he was trusting God for one thing and one thing only. And that was that God's will would be done in his life. So what are we on, my friend? How is it that we didn't flip the strip if Jesus himself, uh, this was his foundation, this was his fortitude, why are we trusting God for what we want? Look at verse 38 uh, of, of John chapter 6. It says this, For I have come down from heaven, not, somebody say not, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And we, as the children of the Most High God, when we look at this dispensation of time that the church, that, you know, the, of the history of all of these things and where we are, and now and we live in a time that is after Jesus having done and finished the work that God sent him to do, that has established us by faith having an eternity, a home in eternity that we can have confidence in, that we can know this in there, then how is it that after that, that we can live for anything else? How is it that any one of us having, uh, as First Peter describes it, that Jesus himself has made a reservation for us in eternity and he is the one that will keep it. Many of you have heard this over and over again so you know what I'm talking about. In there, that is God that called, you didn't call no 800 number to make your reservations for eternity, my friend. Because if we had to call and make the reservations, some of you have heard this before, then just as easy as you called that your flesh will have you next week calling that same number, canceling your reservation. But glory be to God that is him that has made our reservation. And you don't even have the number. So you cannot cancel the reservation. And the word of God said is through the blood of Christ Jesus that God is faithful, that he will keep our reservations. Hallelujah. And that is good news for all of us. Because if it depended on our work after we have received him, then every one of us, none of us would make it. And we need to get that. That your, your salvation ain't based on your work after you, uh, he made your reservation. It's based on the blood that finished uh, the, and opened the door for your reservation. And glory be to God for that. And with that understanding, then this is the reason why we should know what is before us. That the journey that is set before us, that we ain't got to uh, worry about falling or failing our reservation. We have to worry about working for the kingdom. That our job is just working for the kingdom now. It's not about us failing the test. Because you couldn't pass the test in the first place. Jesus did. Get this. Because this is huge. This is a huge dilemma in the body of Christ right now. And there's so many people in so many places teaching as though you have to, your work is what's going to uh, put the icing on the cake for you, your reservation. That's like a slap in Jesus' face that, that spit his blood. And more than a slap in Jesus' face, that's like a spit in God's face that uh, that what you pay wasn't good enough. What an abomination. But if we have the right understanding and the right heart, then what we would have is this, that our trust in our, uh, uh, our life that we live after having received our reservation 
we would know the love of God that was in Christ Jesus, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. And then we would know that love that he accomplished something that we could not do for ourselves, that we were lost without hope. Glory be to God, but because of his blood that uh, he, uh, and, he, and what he spent and how it satisfied God, that it wiped all of our transgressions away. And that now all of our transgressions are gone. And these transgressions are gone, and they weren't gone, and, and, and we could not have gotten rid of them. See, it's crazy because some things in the natural we understand more than what God has done in the spirit for us. It is truly a shame. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about because some of us are more connected to the fact that somebody came and, and when you was about to get kicked out of your, your, your house and you didn't have the money and, and, and you didn't have no way to get the money. But somebody came by and gave you the money and saved you from being kicked out of your house and rescued you. And, 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 and some of us is more connected into doing that. And, and that's a good thing. And, and glory be to God, they did that. But some of us have more gratitude and understanding of that than we do of the fact that Jesus' blood cleansed us from sin that we could not cleanse ourselves from. And that this is an eternal perspective that we're talking about here, my friend. Do you understand that? Yeah. See, and, and because this natural thing we can relate to, and we'll give more homage or honor to what our friend did than what Jesus Christ and God the Father has done. See, we tend to take that for granted. We know he did it. But it seems so far away and so abstract that we take that for granted. But every time we see our friend, we never forgot. Man, I thank you for what you did. This is a serious thing, my friend. And it's an abomination to God at the same time. So it takes just what was prayed earlier, that, uh, that our understanding be enlightened, my friends. Because with the proper understanding, and that only comes through being able to see all of this from God's perspective, because this is about him and him alone. Because then it can take us to the place truly of what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, says in verse 15, that it, he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. So meaning that he died for all and for every one of us. Those that live is a reference to those of us that have put our faith in, in Christ Jesus for salvation. That's you and me. And then when we put our faith from the bottom of our heart, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the one that God has sent, that he paid the price for our sins, that God did something then, that he birthed you again, that he made your reservation. Hallelujah. He did something that you could not do for yourself. And in what he did, glory be to God, it ought to take us to a place of reverence. The Bible refers to it sometimes of fear of the Lord. But the fear of the Lord, this is not talking about being scared of the Lord. This is talking about being honoring the Lord. A reverence for God and all that reverence only comes with an understanding that of the blood that set us free. And in order for you to have the understanding of the blood setting you free, even though we believe we have to have a better understanding that we were captive. See, because in order to, be, uh, to know the value of freedom, you got to know that you was enslaved first. And some of us don't know that in fullness. And this only comes by the spirit in proper understanding of the word. So what are you trusting God for? God is wanting to speak to our hearts right now that that transformation happens. Look at verse 39 in, 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 in the same chapter, John chapter 6, the very next verse. It says this. Let me read 38 again, and I'll just move into 39. It says, for I have come, this is Jesus speaking, from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me that I should lose nothing, 
but should raise it up in the last day. See, everyone that, that Christ saves, this is where, this is, if you didn't get it before, then understand this. He says it again in John chapter 10 that all that the Father has given me, I have not lost none. And the reason why he has lost none is because it ain't because you was good enough after he saved you. It ain't because you didn't fall after he saved you. It's because it didn't depend on your goodness. It didn't depend on whether you was going to fall. No, it depended on his goodness that when you did fall after that, that it set you free to get back up and continue the journey because it wasn't about you doing anything except following him that the journey may be complete. This is why we need to understand what are we trusting the Lord for today? And there's a serious thing because many of us got much going on in our lives. There's sickness. There's financial hardship. There's uh, family dynamics, children that went astray, all kinds of different dynamics that is happening in the body of Christ. So I get why we would want to trust God for that first and foremost. But here, this is not about us not being able to trust God for that, but it's about being in proper perspective and proper order, my friend. So what do you mean by that, Pastor John? What I mean by that is, here again, it's the same thing that uh, God has been speaking all, all morning. That when he calls your name, what is the, the response? What do you want, Lord? Because I'm busy. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get my son back on track. Or is it here I am, Lord, that I can take care of your business knowing that you'll take care of mine? See, it's too often that we want God to take care of our business in order for us to do any of his. Wrong, my friend. It's backwards and it's out of order. And it's time for us to get it right, my friend. And the reason why I'm encouraging you to get it right because that's the only way it's going to work. It's the only way that it's going to work. See, understanding means everything. And lack of understanding means everything. See, because lack of understanding don't mean that you're stupid. Lack of understanding don't mean that you're dumb. Lack of understanding means that you're ignorant to the facts. So let me just say that another way. Ignorant don't mean that you're dumb. Ignorant don't mean that you're stupid. Ignorant means that you don't understand or aren't privy to the right information. It's a lack of information. A lack of understanding is what ignorance is. And we've been walking in ignorance for far too long, my friends. And expecting some type of result from God that it does not work that way. The way that it works is that we put his business before our business and then we will see. Not even, you ain't got a hope. You ain't got a, a yo. Know, let your knees knock or none of that. You will see that his, your business is, will be taken care of. But the problem is, is why we're not seeing our business taken care of by God. And why we continue to wonder, where are you at, Lord? I thought you said you weren't going to leave me. I thought you said you weren't going to forsake me. And why we can't see him at work in our lives. It's because we're looking from, through the back door. Because we're doing it backwards. Jesus knew from a very young age that in order for him to do the will of the Father, just as he said, I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of the Father. He knew from a very young age that in order for him to do the will of the Father and not his own will, he said it when he was 12 years old, when his mom and them had went a day's way journey after they had the feast. You know, in there, and they were celebrating the feast of the Passover, I believe it was. And, and the whole tribe, all of them, then went halfway back to Nazarene and realized after a day away traveling, because they traveled in caravans walking. And this must have been a several-day journey from Nazarene to Jerusalem that they made every year. In there, and they get a year, a days away and realize that Jesus ain't even in the crowd. And he's 12 years old. 
They, uh, Joseph and Mary must be panicking by then. So not only then, then they had to go back to Jerusalem, which was another day's journey. And then the Bible refers that when they got there, they was looking for him about a day. So here it is three days later, and they find Jesus in the synagogue. And what was he doing? He was ministering to the big boys, the chief priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees. Come on, somebody. No, he wasn't sitting there hiding in the corner, you know, crying, where's my mommy, uh, around the lay people. No, he was in, in there, and he was chopping it up, modern-day terms. And, and, they were, and, and, and they were stuck on him. You're talking about these men of, of, of much scholar and, and, and intellect. They were locked into what Jesus was saying and how he was ministering and what he knew. They were uh, astounded by this 12-year-old boy. And his mother and his father comes in, his mom, you know his mom going to say something first. Boy, what are you doing? We've been looking for you for three days. And what did Jesus say to his mama? He said to his mama, he said, Mama, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Hallelujah. Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? See, and at 12 years old, Jesus knew what he came here for, and he knew the only way that it was going to be done, and that he, in order for him to stay out of his will and do the will of father, he knew that he had to be about the father's business. And see, some of us, we are too worried about our own business that you can't be about your father's business. See, that's the distraction. That's the trick of the enemy. And I'm talking about those of us, again, what? That have been born again. Those of us that have received our reservation in eternity. Glory be to God. I ain't talking about those of y'all that is good. Because the Bible is very clear on that. There's none good. No, not one. So we ain't talking about who good. We talking about who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Hallelujah. We're talking about those of us that from the bottom of our heart that have confessed our sin and repented from our sins and, and confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I believe that's each and every one of us. And let me serve you some news while we're on this journey right now. Because some of us, uh, this, we, we haven't understood this, that when you confess with your mouth, as Romans chapter 10 verse 9 10 says, and you believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that you shall be saved. And when you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth that something supernatural happened, see, and this is the part that we, can't, that we don't seem to understand because, and maybe this is the part that is a distraction for us. See, because your salvation, it, it happened when, when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then there's something that happens in the supernatural, in the spirit. So some of us, we may miss that. And what happens supernaturally in the spirit is what God does. The Bible refers to it that he washes you uh, in the, the blood, in the water, glory be to God, by the spirit. And that he uh, wipes away all your sin, that you are cleansed and you are as white as snow, is what the Bible says. See, and what, he, and what he's talking about, this is what he's done with your soul. Oh, come on, deliver us today, God. See, because we're we so natural that when, we are, when, when this happens, then we're looking for a manifestation in the flesh. But uh, salvation uh, don't have anything to do with your flesh. Your flesh cannot be saved, my friends. It, the, what Jesus does, he, is, he, he saves to the utmost, to the saving of your soul. Get this. It's the soul that Jesus saved. And it's the only thing that can be saved because it's the only thing that can come in the presence of God. That's why the Bible says, no flesh shall glory in my presence and ain't none coming into my presence. This is the reason why your soul has to have a new body when Jesus comes. Get this.
Because this is where a lot of confusion is. That we have mixed up the flesh and the soul, the spirit. In there. And that we are looking for our flesh to be saved. And this flesh is just what the Bible says. From dust to dust, ashes to ashes, from dust you have come and dust you will return. But the soul that, uh, that Jesus breathed in this dust will return to him, glory be to God, if we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That is what is eternal. This is what Paul was talking about when I would do good. Evil was always present. This is what God been ministering to us over the last two or three months in the Christian liberty. That man is twofold. Bodily man, which is the flesh, the outward man. And the inward man, which is the soul, the spirit. It's where God dwells. It's the thing that is connected to God. And if you missed the series, you ought to get the tapes then, my friend. Because you need to catch up. And what the problem is, is we have gotten the two mixed up. So we are looking for our flesh to be saved and, and don't know anything or pay any attention to our souls. We are looking for the manifestation of the presence of God and the spirit of God. We are looking for it in the natural, in the flesh. Even to the point where Satan deceives us. How? Because see, when Jesus saves us in this thing that, they, that him and God does in the supernatural, in the spirit, it's just that. He cleanses us. And see, and this is the reason why the Bible says that God, now what he sees and how he sees you is as white as snow. And some of us is confused about how could he see me as white as snow when I just fell down, not just yesterday, but even two minutes ago. How could he see me? Because he, because what you're talking about is your flesh and what he's talking about is your soul, my friend. And he was the one that saved your soul and cleansed you from all unrighteousness. So when the Bible, see, it, it do, does us well because now if you understand even that simple thing, that now when you read the word of God, you can put it right where it goes. So when it's referred to the flesh, then you can put it in the flesh. When it's referred to the spirit, you'll know. So when he says that, that we are righteous or the righteous shall inherit the, the kingdom of God, he ain't talking about you being right in the flesh because you know that that's a lie. He's talking about the soul that he has made right with him by the blood of the lamb. And so we can quit getting this confused and, and begin to teach people a bunch of monkey business that makes them depend on their flesh for salvation and the works of it. And, it, and also what it does on the opposite side, he talked to us about this, is that when, you, uh, when your flesh don't add up to what uh, God has done in the spirit with your soul, then instead of allowing Satan to, to use that as a trap, then you can actually confess what the truth is. Is that yes, my flesh is messed up, but my soul is right with God. And so my journey now is to begin to align my flesh with my spirit and with my soul and not continue, do it the opposite way. And you ain't going to be discouraged when your flesh falls up. What you're going to be is encouraged to get back up. We got to go. It ain't no more time for this monkey business. You're going to confess the freedom that you actually have. And this ain't a freedom to continue in sin that grace may abound. As the Bible says, God forbid that. This is going to be one that you know the love of God. Just as we sung the song. See, this is when you can truly sing the song from the bottom of your heart that I love you, Lord. Because you first loved me, see. Because you don't understand that it's because you first loved me. That you did for me what that which I could not do for myself. And not only did you do it, you're keeping it. Not only did you do it, but you're keeping it, Lord. And if this don't change our hearts, I don't know what will, my friends.
But right understanding, David, means everything. And because all of what was been taught, we've been confused. Confused to the point that it's a distraction from us doing, running the race and, and, and actually doing what God has set before us. It made us then begin to put our trust in God for what we wanted from him. And not for what he wants to do through us. See, it fooled us that, that, that we have to put our trust in what we want for him as though he ain't done it all. He's done it all. He's done it all. And, he's, and he made it very clear in his word when we understand it properly. This is why he can truly say that the lilies of the field and how they are arrayed and how they clothed. He, this is how, why he can say in his word the, the birds of the air that, never, that don't, don't, don't spin, don't toil, they don't work. But he says how much more he said, I'll take care of them. And they good. They good. When I say good, I'm talking about they, they in good shape because I take care of them, he says. But he says, how much more? My prize, possession, my creation, my own special people. He says it very clearly. How much more will I not? You think I ain't going to take care of you? But the problem is, is that he can't take care of us because we're trying to take care of ourselves. We out of order. Instead of us taking care of his business, we're trying to take care of our business, which is him, is for him to do. So it brings me back to the beginning, my friend. What are we trusting him for? Turn your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 3, and we'll get ready to end right here. In Proverbs chapter 3, again, a passage of scriptures is very... Uh, familiar. Wake up, my friends. Because it's time for us to stop trusting God for what we want from him and begin to trust him for his will, for our lives. And not only entrust him has to have a key ingredient there is a key ingredient that's linked to trust, my friends. And it says it in Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. See, the key ingredient in trusting the Lord is to get off of you. See, the key ingredient to trusting in the Lord. See, you can't trust in the Lord when you have your own understanding. We got to understand what this means. See, because we didn't read this a thousand times, but this we missed, my friends. See, it says trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. What, it, what lean not on your own understanding means is do not put, uh, uh, don't trust in the Lord for what your will is. Because you don't understand the process. Because you don't know what time it is. So what, in other words, what is it saying? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on his will and his way, his understanding. Know that he understands more than you ever will. He understands your yesterday, but not only that, he understands your tomorrow. He understands your next year. He understands what is coming. And the problem is, is we want to trust the Lord with all our heart, but we doing it in our understanding. We're doing it with our understanding. I understand that my rent is due and I need to trust you, Lord. I understand that my health is failing me and I need to trust you, Lord. I understand my, my kid is going astray and I need to trust you, Lord. See, our understanding is getting in the way and you can't trust the Lord in your understanding, my friend. Because it ain't no, your understanding is limited. And it don't result in trust in the Lord. It, under, it, it results, our, our understanding results in, 
and, and, and begging the Lord, pleading with the Lord, hoping that the Lord is going to do what, he, what you ain't even allowing him to do. What is impossible for him to do, it ain't impossible because anything is impossible for him. It's impossible because he ain't going to make you move out the way. Please, please hear what thus saith the Lord. Because it's this here, my friend, for many of us, is the only thing that is standing in our way of true deliverance, true healing, and true freedom. I'm going to say that again. For many of us, this is the only thing. God knows you love him. God knows the motivation of your heart and the tent of your heart. You don't, because the Bible says that, so don't even act like it. He knows all of that. So even when the intent of your heart that you don't know is messed up, God has already made a way through the blood. See, the blood, the blood solved everything for God. You just don't understand that. Because we got our own understanding of how, you know, this all works. But it's the blood that satisfied everything for God. And, and for many of us, the only thing that is blocking us or that's in our way from true freedom, deliverance, is our understanding that is blocking us from truly trusting in God. And it's leaving us, us at a place of wondering, where are you, Lord? It's leaving us at a place of wonder that steals our confidence. Will he show up? No, he said, I ain't going to show up. I ain't got to show up because I'm already here, knucklehead. What I got to show up for? You see what I'm saying? See, we, it's, our understanding is messed up. We waiting for him to show up and he's right there. And why can't we not see him? It ain't because he can't, he invisible. It's because we, our understanding is darkened. And this is why Paul prayed for the church. That, that, that the knowledge of their understanding be enlightened. And that got to be our prayer for each and every one of us. For ourselves, that the, that, that the knowledge of our understanding be enlightened. He said the word eyes, and why eyes is interchangeable for the knowledge, because that's what it is. It's a, it's a knowing. Knowing his understanding. That the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. That it be opened. And we got to quit today. Today is the day that God is called, knocking on the door of every one of us, our hearts, to say, no, I need you to change directions, and I need that today. Some of us will hear this message and we'll uh, know that it's true, but because of the pressure, we'll walk out this door and continue to operate the same. And then some of us will hear what thus saith the Lord knowing that it's true and that we will fight with everything in us. Not everything on the outside because that's the flesh and you ain't going to win against the flesh. This is a spiritual warfare, my friend. And it's got to be fought in the spirit. See, now you can really understand the difference because knowing that you are two natures and the two natures, the Bible says that they war against one another. The soul and the flesh. So how are we going to do this? Will you surrender today? And yes, it will kill your flesh. Somebody, you ever heard somebody doing something, you're like, man, you're killing me. You ain't talking about literally killing you, but, you, but what are you saying? 
Yes, it will kill your flesh. Not literally die, but, it, but your flesh has to die. It cannot stay. So, no, so you no longer are being led by your flesh, but you are being led by the Spirit of God. That's where our victory is at. So today, will you hear his voice? In the day that you hear his voice, the Bible encourages us to do what? Harden not your heart. And today is that day, my friend. You are not here by happenstance. This is a divine appointment because God wanted you to know the difference between the two. And that our freedom comes in one thing and one thing only and it ain't going to ever change. We are here to be about the Father's business now that we have been uh, saved, sanctified, and set free. Now that we have been saved, somebody say saved. Sanctify. Somebody say sanctify. See, somebody that's scared to say that because they think that's what they got to do. No, sanctification comes and it starts with the fact that God has, has made you right with him, my friend. Because outside of him making you right, you can't be sanctified anyway. Then you go on the journey to pursue righteousness. So when, uh, I know some people, you know, they said, I'll save, sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. We're talking about from God's perspective. See, from God's perspective, to be saved is what he did. To be sanctified is what he did. To be filled with the Holy Ghost is what he did. And then it becomes how we live. Then it becomes how we live. Then it becomes our pursuit. To be made over daily. To be renewed daily. To be filled daily. This is what it's all about, my friends. And today is your day. Let us look to the Lord. I give myself away. Father, in the name of Jesus.